Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 31 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. If pleading for yourself, you shall say, It is my natural constitution to be choleric, and flesh and blood will have their course. No, this is to nourish your passion. No, also, it is a wicked and hateful constitution of body, which came in with the fall. And flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 15.50 Say not, I am so crossed and provoked, never any the like. For Christ was more injured and more provoked than you, and yet never was in a passion. 1 Peter 2.23 Hebrews 12.2 and 3 And you provoke God a thousand times more every day, yet he is patient with you. Say not, it is such a headstrong passion that it is impossible to bridle and subdue it. For I can assure you that by using means these prescribed, if you also do often and much abase yourself before God for your passion and folly, and daily repent thereof, and watch over yourself, you may, of most hasty and passionate, become most meek and patient before you die. I have seen it in old men, whose age in itself giveth advantage to peevishness and forwardness, who were exceedingly passionate in their youth, yet through the grace of God, by constant conflict against this vice, have attained to an admirable degree of meekness. Two, the cure of worldly grief. Next, as carnal anger, so worldly grief must be avoided in all sorts of crosses. For by it, you repine against God, fret against men, and make yourself unfit for natural, civil, and spiritual duties. First Kings 21.4 And if it be continued, it works death. Second Corinthians 7.10 The best remedy against worldly sorrow for any affliction is to turn it into godly sorrow for sin, which is the cause of all our troubles. This will work repentance to salvation, never to be repented of, 2 Corinthians 7.10, and will drive you to Christ in him. If you believe, you will have joy and comfort even such joy, unspeakable, as will dispel and dry up both this and all other griefs whatsoever. First Peter 1, 6, 8. 
for godly sorrow does always, in due time, end in spiritual joy. Three, the nature of Christian patience. In the third place, I proceed to show the nature of Christian patience. By patience, I do not mean a stoical senselessness or dull stupidity like that of Issachar. Genesis 49, 14 and 15. Nor yet a counterfeit patience like Esau's. Genesis 27, 41 and 42. And Absalom's, 2 Samuel 13, 13 and 22. Nor a mere civil or moral patience, which wise heathens, to free themselves from vexation and for vain glory and other ends, attained unto. Nor yet a profane patience, Revelation 2, 2, of men insensible of God's dishonor or afflicting hand, nor a patience perforce. When the sufferer is merely passive because he cannot relieve himself, but a Christian, holy patience, wherein you must be sensible of God's hand, and when you cannot but feel an unwillingness in nature to bear it, yet for conscience towards God, you do submit to his will, and that voluntarily, with an active patience, causing yourself to be willing to bear it, so long as God shall please. After the example of Christ, Matthew 26 39 and 42. Not my will, but thine be done. The excellency of Christ's sufferings was not in that he suffered, but in that he was obedient in his sufferings. He was obedient to the death. Philippians 2 8. So likewise, no man's suffering is acceptable if he be not active and obedient in suffering. This patience is a grace of the Spirit of God, wrought in the heart and will of man, through believing and applying the commandments and promises of God to himself, whereby, for conscience' sake towards God, 1 Peter 2.19, he does submit his will to God's will, quietly bearing, without bitterness and vexation, all the labor, changes, and evil occurrences which befall him in the whole course of his life, whether from God immediately or from man, as also waiting patiently for all such good things as God has promised, but yet are delayed and unfulfilled. Four, motives to Christian patience under adversities. 
to induce you to get and to show forth this holy patience, know that you have great need of it. Hebrews 10, 36. And that in these respects, first, you are but half a Christian, you are imperfect and want a principal grace in the Christian life if you want patience. Thus, James argues, implying that he who will be entire, James 1, 4, and want nothing to make him a Christian, must have patience. This passive obedience is greater than active. It is more excellent and more difficult to obey in suffering than to obey in doing. Secondly, you cannot have a sure possession of your soul without patience. In your patience possess ye your souls, saith our Savior, Luke twenty-one nineteen. A man without patience is not his own man. He has not power to rule over his own spirit, Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight, nor yet of his own body. The tongue, hands, and feet of an impatient man will not be held in by reason. But he that is patient enjoys himself and has rule over his spirit, Proverbs 16.32. No affliction can put him out of possession of himself. Thirdly, there are many oppositions and hindrances in your Christian race and warfare that without patience to suffer and to wait, Romans 8.25, you cannot possibly bring forth good fruit to God, nor hold out your profession of Christianity to the end, but will decline and give over before you have enjoyed the promise, Hebrews 10.36. Therefore, you are bid to run with patience the race that is set before you, Hebrews 12.1. And the good ground is said to bring forth fruit with patience, Luke 8.15. And the faithful are said through faith and patience to inherit the promises, Hebrews 6.12. Fourthly, patience works experience, Romans 5.5, without which no man can be an established Christian. This experience being of the highest use to confirm the soul of a Christian in the greatest difficulties. This must be said of the necessity, together with the benefit of patience, that you may love it and may desire to have and show it. 5. Means to gain Christian patience under affliction. By what means you may attain it follows. First, spend those passions on your lusts which war in your members, which are exercised on other objects. Fall out with them and mortify them. Colossians 3, 5. For nothing makes a man impatient so much as his lusts do, both because they will never be satisfied 
and it is death to a man to be crossed in them. And because the fullness of lusts causes a guilty conscience. Whence follows impatience and troublesome vexation upon every occasion, like the raging sea, which with every wind does foam and rage and cast up nothing but mire and dirt. Isaiah fifty-seven twenty, And as James saith, Whence are wars and fightings? James 4, 1. So I say, all other fruits of impatience, but from your lusts, which war in your members. Take away the causes of impatience. Then you have made a good advance towards gaining Christian patience. Secondly, lay a good foundation of patience by being humble and low in your own eyes through an apprehension that you are less than the least of God's mercies and that your greatest punishments are less than your iniquities have deserved. Ezra 9, 13. As Christians abound in humility, so will they abound in patience. Witness the examples of Abraham, Moses, Job, David, and others. Thirdly, labor to gain and improve the Christian graces of faith, hope, and love. All and either of these calm the heart and keep it steady in adversity. For besides that, they quiet the heart in the assurance of God's love in Christ. For being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Rejoice in hope. Romans 5, 1, 3, 4. Whence proceed joy and patience in tribulation. And who can be impatient with whom? Him whom he loves with all his heart and strength. These graces also furnish the Christian with an ability of spiritual reasoning and disputing with a disquieted soul, whereby it may be happily composed and brought to possess itself in patience under any adversity. This concludes episode 31 of Henry Scudder's The Christian's Daily Walk.